Hello and welcome to the Summer Camp Stories podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Soundjoinson, and over the past 20 years, I've been a camp counselor, program specialist, group leader, CIT director, and camp director. So join me as I reconnect with old camp friends and learn about their journey and hear their summer camp stories. Christine Lull to the podcast. Christine Lull, please report to the podcast. Hey, Steve, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's nice to have you here. I haven't, I mean, we spoke a little bit last year, odd enough, for the Amarillo mm. video yeah. that, that you were in. And I think before that, it's got to be about, I don't know, 10 years, probably more than it's, that. It's been a while, right? Yeah, I've kind of been traveling back and forth to the other side of the world yeah. and to New York. So I've been out of touch, I feel like, a bit with some camp friends. Yeah. But I'm happy that you're doing this because I feel like so many people are getting back in touch, which is great. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal of the podcast. So it's exciting. Well, then tell us then. Tell us who you are, where you are, and what you do today, and then when you went to camp. Okay. I'm Christine Lull. I'm from New York. I come from a town upstate New York, just outside of Woodstock, called Lake Hill. Mm -hmm. I work at a ski resort called Bel Air Mountain, and I supervise the lift department. Nice. And when, yeah. what years were you at camp? And then what positions when you were at camp did you have? Um, 2000 and 2001, I was just a general counselor. Mm-hmm. 2002, I was group leader of Alderbrook. 2003, I was group leader Division 4. And then yeah. 2004, I was group leader um, for the head waitresses. Oh, gotcha. So you kind of went to Alderbrook, jumped back, and then jumped right back up. Mm, yeah. Oh, nice. It, I wish I would have just stayed with the same group of girls like I hear all you boys say yeah like you've been with the same bunk but I just bounced back and forth and that was all right yeah I enjoyed my time nice how did you first hear about camp and Neshoka specifically in the first place and what made you want to apply well um I went to uni in Rhode Island and my first night ever drinking yeah. and ran into a girl called Deborah Jordan who was actually Liz Jordan's sister oh okay yeah and um I stumbled in there and she was so lovely and friendly and I sat in her beanbag chair and I was telling her man I'd really love to work at a summer camp and she was like I've got the camp for you <laughs> and she plugged in her 1999 uh summer camp video nice. and I was sold yeah. I was completely sold. And she was like, you meet people from everywhere. It's such a great opportunity. And really, I was just this inner city girl, had never, ever met a British person yeah. or anyone from anywhere. So I was interested in that experience. Oh, how your life was about to change, meeting all yeah. of those international <laughs> folks. That's inc- yeah, that's incredible. Time. Who were some of, yeah. I mean, obviously then you met you met those folks early, but when you got to camp, who were some of the first people you met and who were some of the closest friends you made when you were there? The first day I rocked up with my mom and uh, walked into a bunk and there was a bunch of British girls there and a girl specifically called Ginny Moore. Mm-hmm. And she just did one one year at camp, but uh, she was super friendly and was like, oh, your hair looks like Topanga Lawrence's hair <laughs> from Boy Meets World. And I was like... That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. But um, I don't know if you remember her, but Emily Ellicott, she she was like the first person I met because I was looking actually for Deborah Jordan's sister, Liz. Yeah. And I thought Emily kind of looked familiar yeah. or similar to Deb. So I was like, oh, are you Deb Jordan's sister? And she was like, no, but 
you want to be friends? And I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) as easy as that. Yes. Let's be friends. Nice. And I think I stay in pretty good contact with Rich King. Yep. Rich King. And um, I speak to Marge and and Titty, obviously. And then, you know, just a a few randoms as of recently, like um, Elaine Heaney, Johnny Allen, Paul Monteith, which I was super excited to talk to because I hadn't talked to him in like years. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Do you remember some of the first people then when you were a counselor who were your first cabin mates? And then also, you know, as a group leader, some of your counselors that you worked with? My first two years, my first year was Christine Emerson. She was my group leader. Mm -hmm. What is it? My second year, Michelle Phillips. She was my co-counselor. Yep. I think that was like division three or four. Yeah. My third year, I was with your wife, Jillian and Marjorie. My fourth year, I had Elaine Heaney sleeping right next to me. (laughs) And then... My fifth year, like being head waitress, you were just in the bunk with all the 16, 17 year old girls and maybe like a few specialists. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember because my schedule was like, get up early, go back to sleep, get up for lunch, go back to sleep. So I kind of vaguely remember everybody. Yeah. I always feel like the the waiters, waitresses and the staff that were with them were on such a different time frame than anybody else because you were all up super early every day. And then it was like, you know, two shifts of each meal which yeah. is a lot you know so six meals a day essentially that you were you were getting going that's that's wild the camp i worked at up until this summer it was just one you know everybody was together for each meal mm-hmm. so it was just an hour together at a time and not like two full hours back to back of stuff so yeah that's a i couldn't imagine doing that and that's if i'd have stayed another year that's where i would have been was yeah. with the waiters at that point so i i'm not an early morning person at camp Never have been. I always struggle to wake up early with that fresh air. It just knocks me right out. So it's, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how I did it either. Because back <laughs> then I, was, I wasn't I was a morning person like I am now. Yeah. Like I can get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and, you know, be all chipper. Like I've had Red Bull. I'm ready yeah. to go. For the day. <laughs> and I don't know how I did it, but I did. And I was lucky that the girls that I had in my bunk for for the, the waitresses yeah um they they all got up i never had to drag any of them out of the bed which is super lucky unlike the boys yeah. the boys you always had to go get them and pull them out yeah <laughs> so you've talked about some of the people that you're still in contact with like who do you speak to the most and you know tell us a little bit about some of the traveling you've done and to visit some of the people from camp as well i probably speak the most to rich king yeah rich king i probably either talk to him once a week once mm-hmm. a month. Um, I actually saw Rich in 2019 and, and we had a great time together. I yeah. literally laughed every minute I was with him, Yeah. but I hadn't seen him for 15 years before that. Oh, wow. Okay. And as, as soon as I saw him, it was like, we never left camp, Yeah. which is great. Cause you kind of get worried when you haven't seen somebody for that long. Yeah. If you're going to get, a, if you're going to get along, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, like I never left. Yeah, I love and that I love guy. It. Love him so yeah. much. He's yeah. one of the funniest people I've ever met. One of the just the nicest people. Always make time for you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He he had a he told me a, a really great story that I, I have on my cell phone, and whenever I'm having a really bad day, I listen to it, and it just makes me laugh hysterically. <laughs> so I I have big love for Rich King. Yeah. And obviously Titty. So I I did some traveling, and I. 
I ended up living on the other side of the world in New Zealand in the same town as Titty. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, having Titty there was like having my big brother there because he always looked out for me, sometimes probably pushed me to do things that I would have never done. Yeah. But, um, you know, he's such a cool guy. And I mean, he'll always keep it real with you. Yeah. But um, I have big love for Titty and uh, he's like my brother. So, yeah, he's a great guy. You know, Titty and I would send messages back and forth a couple times a year. Just how are you? Happy birthday, stuff like that. But since I've been doing the podcast, it's been nice. I feel like we message back and forth a couple times a week. And it's, you know, it's just been nice to have that reconnection because he was the guy my first summer that I was like, oh, I want to be like him. Because he was up in front of everybody doing all the fun games, dressing up, you know, leading. He was the Color War General the first year I was Mm. there on the team I was on. So, you know, for me, having someone like him still wanting to talk to me is pretty cool because he was the guy that was like, that's it. That's who I'm going to be like right there. I I was just telling him how um, at summer camp, like you have people who who really stand out. Right. And my first year I was so shy. And he had said, like, also his first year he was side. But when you come back the next yeah. year, you, like, instantly have friends that you weren't friends with from last year yeah. as your friends. And you just had all this confidence because you knew everything. You knew yeah. what was going on. You knew what to expect. You knew what to tell people to expect. Yeah. Yeah. It Like, camp just really gave, I think, everybody that confidence they needed, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's. I think that's what I got out of it the most was that because I was certainly shy I mean I was probably the first few weeks of 2001 I was definitely shy and then college weekend the first big event was what brought it out in me so but that second summer and I was you know as a general counselor so I wasn't down the hill at the go-karts all of the time and stuff like that so I just felt like okay I could do all of this other cool stuff now I'm not going to be locked taking care of these go-karts that break down every other activity block because they were pretty garbage (laughs) but a lot of fun oh i know yeah yeah is there anyone then that you wish you could reconnect with anyone that you just kind of lost connection with i would really love to reconnect with chris robb yeah and kate minting oh kate minting yeah yeah kate minting was um the water skiing specialist Mm -hmm. i believe in 2001 yeah chris and chris and uh kate play a big role in me ending up on the other side of the world yeah right i was planning on moving to scotland to go like hang out with chris and like live there and have that experience Mm -hmm. because i'd always want it you know like i'd always wanted to live overseas and you know my my good pal was offering me a place to stay yeah so i tried to get a visa Mm -hmm. right and i got denied but before i got denied Kate Minting had said to me that she was going to live on the other side of the world and if I had wanted to join her yeah to to come along yeah so like Scotland didn't work out and New Zealand did oh that's great I didn't know that yeah I I do remember Kate being the water skiing I have you know my mom sent me my 2001 to 2003 photos this past spring and you know I there were so many people there that you just forget what everybody does and, you know, my yeah. photos from 2005 onwards are all digital and just on a, I don't know what computer or what flash drive they're on in my house, but having these photos from the first few years when digital cameras were just really coming into play is so nice because now I'm like, oh, there's Kate Minting driving the speedboat with Clay Geddes sitting next to her. Of course, they were the two people that were in charge of water skiing other than Artie and Root Beer sometimes, you know, was out there doing the boats. <laughs> So it's kind of nice to be able to see 
those things. But yeah, Kate Minting and then her brother Simon, who came along a few years later as well. They're really great yes. people. I went to visit Kate Minting once to go to Leslie Forbes' wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which was pretty cool. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah, Leslie's someone I haven't seen or heard from, I don't think, in a long time. In a long time. In fact, actually, I think either Leslie or Kate tagged the other one on the Amarillo video for them to see it. And that was the first time I'd seen their names on anything in a long, long time. Yeah, mm. I'd love to see those people. They were, they were really nice people. Yeah. When you think of camp, then your time at camp, what are some of the memories that just come flooding back? And I always try and do a memory of the oh. person I'm interviewing. So one of my favorite memories of you is at every, every opportunity there was to dress up and dance and go nuts. <laughs> like you were always there. There's this great photo of me and you. And I think I sent it to you not too long ago, but I'll send it again. Like I'm in the middle of the running man. I think you're doing the sprinkler or something. And we're just going at it. Like the, the look on our face is just so, <laughs> this is what's happening right now. And in the background yeah. of that photo, there's a child just looking at us with a face like, "What? why am I here? What am I doing here? And it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world because we're there, we're in it to win it. And this kid is just like, this is not it, y'all. This is not it. <laughs> I I know what photo you're talking about. And we are definitely going hard yeah. in whatever dance we are doing. <laughs> like super hard, dedicated to those moves. That's it. Yeah, that's. I love it. Yeah, definitely like all the dancing we did at camp, like all the discos. Yeah. Um, girls sing, like the Division Four girls sing that we did. We did Footloose. Mm -hmm. And Charlie had done like this awesome choreography for it. Yeah. That is super fun. And I'm pretty sure if we put the song on, I would remember all the moves. Yeah. Yeah. Probably one of my favorite memories is um, Paul Monteith, Steve Reno and um marjorie yeah. all met me at my apartment in the city and we all drove up to camp together and it was like the big hype like four of us were going at the same time and then showing up and like you know everybody being super excited as well as us you yeah. know showing up and getting all these people coming over and giving us big hugs yeah i love that we did a big group of people to my house in woodstock i mm. think 13 people slept everywhere <laughs> everywhere on the floor like three people cuddled on the couch together, but it was great. We spent the day in Woodstock and my mom and, and Titty made us all breakfast. Incredible. And uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. My mom kind of felt like she was at summer camp for a minute, mm -hmm. you know, because mom's always interested in, in getting to know everybody. And yeah. she kind of has a hard time understanding certain people. <laughs> I feel as though I've met. For her. I feel as as I must have met your mom, dropping you off at some point. She didn't make me breakfast though, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> maybe maybe next time when you come, you'll have All to right. come up to Woodstock and have breakfast or some Spanish food. Deal. Yeah. Deal. <laughs> and we can and we can drive to Last Chance because I think it's like an hour and twenty minutes from my house. Oh wow! Yeah. I don't know if I could achieve the feats that I would have achieved back then at the Last Chance. You know, I wouldn't go near okay. those test tubes, you know, and I, I don't know about the, the pictures. Maybe one yeah. picture and that's enough for me now. Like we said before we started recording, we're much older than we were back then. And it takes takes it out of me now, you know. <laughs> These are facts. I would like split, <laughs> split a picture. I'd be like, one and a half is good for me. Yeah. Like, like a pint. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm good. I'm like, whew, time, it's ready for bed. Yeah. You know? like, I'm ready. <laughs> Nine o'clock, yes. Yeah. Instead of the one o'clock run up the hill, you know. I know. That early 2000s version of all of us were machines. 
and they would laugh at us now. But you know, drinking that much and then that hill was no was no easy feat. That was a hill. No, we had to get up. Mm. You know, and it w- yeah. really was yeah. a race against the clock. Oh, big time! Especially if you were on that last van ride. Yeah. Back from the bar, you had to run because if you didn't get there in time and that window was shut, you had an extra OD. Yeah, yeah, that was one less night out of the last chance for Nobody sure. Nobody wanted that, but it wasn't <laughs> like a little hill. It was like a long, yeah, basically, yeah, uh, that <laughs> hill. Like be- being in Alderbrook for two years or two different years. Yeah. Oh, you know. That that walk. Every, yeah, every morning, ne- every mealtime yeah. for every activity. Yeah. Yeah. Dragging the girls out was so hard sometimes because they would just like drag their hands up the road. <laughs> and, and you're like, I feel your pain, but let's do this. Yeah. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. So some of the activities we had at camp, you know, there were the daytime activities that were the typical scheduled stuff. We had all of the cool evening activities that I don't know if you heard Steve Rose's podcast. He pretty much reads his old schedules from when he was at camp of all the evening activities from Ron Dagon, Double Dutch Divas, Crazy George, like all of that crazy stuff. And then there were the trips out when we went roller skating or we went to mini golf. And then there were the big trips, you know, the Mountain Creek, the Six Flags. What were some of your favorite camp activities that we did when we were there? I love the Double Dutch Divas because I wish I could double Dutch because I, I grew up in the streets of the South Bronx and doing double dutch was like a thing for all the girls in the neighborhood and i just couldn't ever get into those ropes without getting slapped by some wire (laughs) so i admired all those girls i was most impressed you know they would have the two long ropes with people on either side you know crossing over each other that alone is a lot of work but then one of them would have just a singular person jump rope in the middle jumping three ropes at the same time i don't know how you do that like, unless you have one of the most state-of-the-art cameras to really slow it down, to show me how many times their feet leave the ground, I don't know how that's possible. And I've tried it, and it doesn't work. Either. <laughs> Double Dutch is super hard. And yeah. if you if you use the right rope, it's like wired rope, yeah. you know? And you get a welt from it Oof. if it hits you. That sounds unforgiving. Right? But it, it, it is unforgiving, but what a skill to have yeah you you feel like you can like dodge fire or like lasers like the you matrix know, if you could basically <laughs> if you could d- jump double dutch you can you can definitely matrix through some lasers yeah nice yeah. tell me a little bit about you know you said you're working up at a ski resort now what what are some of the skills or what are some of the ways that working at a camp set you up for that i think just being able to control a group of people because mm-hmm. like other than like my employees like speaking to guests as well mm-hmm you know, like you have to like be assertive and be confident because if you're not, then they walk all over you. Yeah. And I and I feel like camp really gave me that confidence to like, I feel like to do almost anything. Yeah. You know, like um, I, I started working at a ski industry in New Zealand. Yeah. You know, oh, I would have cool. never ended up. I never would have done that had I not met the people at summer camp, mm-hmm. you know, but also I feel like I can talk to like anybody, like any nationality, anybody with an accent, yeah. you know, a lot of Americans especially where I live, would never be able to understand like a Scottish person yeah, or like a South African person. And I'm like, I'll go talk to them. Like, <laughs> I, I can understand that. Yeah, just probably, you know, just being able to control a group. I just feel like camp just gave me all the confidence I needed to like push through in life, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know. I feel like we've both been translators for Paul Monteith and Chris Robb at some point in our career. You know, I know yeah. I've walked around new york city with with paul i think maybe 2002 when we flew over together and we stayed in the city for a couple days Mm -hmm. and he needed me there i don't know how he could have 
survived, like got food, got into the hotel we were supposed to be in without me there. And my accent is a lot more diluted now than it was then. But, you know, if he if he didn't have people like us taking care of him, he wouldn't have survived out there. <laughs> I feel like you're living in the States, what, 17 years now, right? 17, 16? For me? Uh, 17, yeah. yeah. Yep. I think your accent sounds almost the same. Oh, really? I think so. I think you sound exactly the same. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, that's, gr- that's great. My, my yeah. family would strongly disagree with you. When I go home, <laughs> my friends are like, you sound so American. I'm like, do I? Do I? I don't think I do. You know, maybe I say y'all a bit more now, which is true. Yeah. But, you know, working with kids for that long, I've had to slow it down a little bit. But yeah. I appreciate it. I want I want that answer. I want people to tell me I sound <laughs> the same because I, I miss it. I miss it. That's great. Yeah. So here's... I think you sound exactly the same. Awesome. All right. I'm going to put yeah. that on my resume. Sounds exactly the same. <laughs> Christine Lull. It's going to be on my resume. So is there a song... And I'm sure there's loads because of all the dances and discos and stuff that we did at camp. But what songs that when you hear them transport you right back to camp? Without a doubt, every time I hear this song, I think of camp and it's with or without you. Yeah. Every time I hear it, I I literally see Titty by the jukebox (laughs) yelling at the top of his lungs with a beer in his hand. Yeah. And I, and I feel like recently I sent him a video of it on in my car. And I was like, oh, like I always think of camp in general, but I think of him as well. Yeah. I would have to agree with Johnny Allen with Vertical Horizon, Everything You Want. Yeah. And the Google Doll Slide. But also Bon Jovi. What song was it? It's My Life. Okay. that It's funny you say Bon Jovi because Titty on the Steve Rose post that I put out this morning when his podcast went out. Titty thought that the Drops of Jupiter song was his green alma mater for Color War, but it was the year after. It was for Brad's team, the green team, Mm -hmm. when Brad was the general. So we were trying to figure out what Titty's was, and I don't know if you remember Vicky Mae Northover, who was with the horses in 2001. She'd come Mm -hmm. up with the answer. It was like, it was always by Bon Jovi. And I hadn't thought of that song in, I guess, almost 20 years since we sang it. So to have to think have two bon jovi songs come up on the same day is pretty cool it's it's super hard to like for color war especially remember what year what song what was with the alma mater yeah like i have a hard time because i i did two years on a team but then i did three or two years as a judge yeah right so it's very conflicting for me yeah a little bit it's funny because i can always hear myself singing it even though i was also a judge for a few years for color war as well yeah but I can still imagine myself singing it. But when Always came up for Bon Jovi, like I, like all the lyrics just come flooding right back. And I literally haven't thought of that song in that in those 20 years since, you know. So what we need to do, the, interviewing Steve Rose yesterday was hilarious because he had a box with all of the lyrics and documents from camp in it. Still pristine, not creased or anything like that. So I'm sure if there's any song that you can think of that was rewrote at camp that you want the lyrics to, ask Steve Rose. He's almost certainly got it. I am super impressed, and I wish I was more organized like that. I feel like if I look through some of my things, I can find some stuff. Yeah. But I'm impressed with all you guys that have kept your like camp counselor list with emails. Yeah. Because yeah. I have no idea where mine are. <laughs> I know. I only no have. Idea. I only have my lanyard, a couple of my lanyards, and then I have a CIT manual that I wrote in 2005. Don't know where it is. I just know it's in the house. And mm-hmm. I think, well, and these, you know, photos. But I think that's it. Like, I don't have any of the lists. I don't have any of the lyrics. I certainly don't have any of the shirts because I got rid of them about six years ago. 
which was very silly. But yeah, Steve Rose is that is that living library we all have. We'll have to get in. Well, you know what we should do is do a camp playlist. Yeah. Get a playlist together because every time somebody mentions a song, a different one. Yeah. I go and re-listen to it and then end up downloading it because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this song is great. Well, that's what I've like, been doing with all these suggestions. I've, I've started making a list. And when it gets to... I've, my goal is to get 24 episodes out. You're episode number 20. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. And then release the list after that for everybody. And then people can just add to it. You know, a, a community list, so to speak. I'm down. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I, like, I have a whole new playlist and it literally says, like, Camp 20... 2004 yeah you know i was gonna say we just had such good music back then yeah i do have to thank all you brits for introducing me to a lot of music because i never yeah would have listened to some of these songs that's great it's funny because that was like a big a big time in the british music industry with like the brit pop explosion that not long happened or started you know so a lot of that was happening and then for us as well just coming over and here like bands like incubus and third eye blind like all the stuff that you know smash mouth even though now that's they're a meme essentially but you know all of that (laughs) stuff just wasn't stuff that i'd heard you know i matchbox 20 those folks like i hadn't heard any of that but coming over introduced me to that so i think we had a pretty good deal going on where we brought over a bunch of our music and you all had your music happening as well and the mix of it was just perfect for camp and really set those summers tones Yeah, yeah exactly i loved it yeah such a good experience yeah totally if if the chance happened to do it all again it, it was magic or whatever it needed to take to happen for everyone to have their summer free and a bunch of us could go back would you go back and do it again um absolutely yeah i'm i'm pretty sure on facebook um i've posted um a video of an adult summer camp and i always tag elaine heaney in it and i'm always <laughs> like heaney are you down and i i believe she says yes every time oh i, I wouldn't but, doubt um, it <laughs> yeah no nah, I, I would definitely go back i think uh knowing what i know now like mm-hmm. i would have been i feel like enjoyed it much more yeah you know maybe been a little bit more open-minded about certain things yeah yeah definitely i would definitely go back what would you take with heartbeat. you would you take something with you this time that it could help you with your job or it could just be one of your favorite things um probably a fan because <laughs> it was so hot <laughs> so hot in those shacks yeah and uh yeah I would definitely bring a fan. I know everyone's like, oh, I'd bring food or tea. And I'm like, nope, a fan. A fan. Because I hate to, like, sleep and be sweaty. Yeah. Because I always had to get up and take, like, a really cold shower and then pass out. Yeah. I could never, like, fall asleep if it was, like, sweltering in there. Yeah. So a fan. Which it was 90% of the time. And those extractor fans they had on the buildings did nothing. No. (laughs) They did nothing. Absolutely nothing. A fan would have been great. Awesome. That's a good one. Yeah. That's the smartest one yet, I think. So Thank you. good work. Took twenty <laughs> episodes for someone to really use their brain. <laughs> a fan. Yeah. A fan. Maybe an a- an AC, but it probably would knock out like the electricity in the show. Oh, for sure, yeah. Any other story that you want to tell anyone you want to give a shout out to? So Heaney had mentioned how well, she and I had a great time being uh co counselors together, group yeah. leader. And um we used to have an issue in our bunk where our campers would always have boys come in and raid yep. or I'd, or I'd find a boy in the cabin. <laughs> and uh, one day I woke up in the middle of the night and the window was slowly rising. I'm oh. like, oh, okay. And I'm just watching it happen <laughs> like you do. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, like three boys come in. So I get up and I, you know, I was the same height as like all the kids. Yeah. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and they were like, 
proceed. I was like, that's right. I was like, <laughs> we, we got to go back out the window. Yeah. They're like, what? I was like, you got to leave, right? You came in through the window. You got to go out the window. Mm-hmm. And they were like, really? It's like four feet. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you, you'll be okay. <laughs> Just, you know, you go out the window. And I would like kick boys out all the time out the window or like, you know, walk them back to their bunk. Was that Ugh. the cabin when you were D4? Was that the cabin then that was on the hill, like near the gazebo? No, no. Okay. I was, so we, when I was D4, we were still in girl circle. Gotcha. And mine was literally probably, if you go around the loop, mm-hmm. like the one in the the right corner. Okay, gotcha. So, so the height from the ground to the window was like four or five feet. Yeah. Out the window. Out the window. Out the window. Every time. <laughs> or like, you know, on like really rainy days, I used to get the girls to take their showers outside. Yeah. Right? You can wash your hair when it's like a downpour. And it was it yeah. was really fun and yeah. different. So you saw like wash our hair outside in the rain. But it was like a, a good excuse to also play in the rain. Yeah. So I really love that. That's probably one of my favorites is yeah. washing my hair in the rain with the girls. Cool. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for... <laughs> jumping in and coming and being on the podcast it's really fun to have you especially someone that still actively travels around to visit people i feel like you've probably done that more than most of us so it's cool we'll have to get you out here on the west coast because we got some good skiing out here at mount hood well the the plan is to get marjorie and do a road trip to you guys perfect and i told rich king and rich king wants to hop in so um, he can go visit you as well. Yeah. Well, I'm all about that. Let's make it happen. And when it does, we'll we'll get back to that dance-off and see who can make the most serious face. Big thank you to our guest for this episode, Christine Lowe, former general counselor, group leader, dance extraordinaire, and green team general, which we didn't talk about in the podcast. So that makes Christine a legend in my book. Join me again next time. I'll be chatting with another one of my old camp friends and sharing our summer camp stories.